Hi, this is Tom Rogers at 5 at 5 live um, every Tuesday night. We do this after work. What I do is answer questions from patients or just people who happen to write in or email or call us. And uh, they're usually pretty good questions. You know, I just saw my last patient, so I'm just now looking at this list. So it's always kind of interesting to uh, give an answer that um, you haven't really uh, had to spend a lot of time on because a lot of times I think that um, you don't have to do a double-blind study to know what to do. But anyway, this has been a great day. If any of you have seen my um, doctor's note from yesterday and my subsequent podcast that I have about COVID-19, I urge you to go ahead and, and look at that because I've gotten a ton of feedback on that podcast, some mostly very good, a few negative comments. Um, the thing you, you'll notice about um, COVID, it's very controversial, and you need to kind of think for yourself on things you need to do for this. And I assume a lot of these questions are going to be about COVID. I think almost all of them are, but um, you know, it's very interesting. I do a lot of research on COVID. I do a lot of reading, look at a lot of statistics, listen to a lot of great podcasts by very intelligent doctors, virologists, infectious disease docs. I've talked to a lot of the frontline workers, pulmonologists, hospitalists, ER docs. And, um, you know, everybody has a little bit different take on it. But um, I encourage you to go listen to my podcast um, because, you know, I think everybody's kind of spelling out doom and gloom on this thing. And I think there's a lot of hope that we're starting to develop some herd immunity and, you know, we can start to see the end of this thing, end of the pandemic. Um, you know, you, so when you see the news, you know, they're, they're, it's almost like fear-mongering in a way. You know, it's all negative. Uh, but what you got to realize, this thing's been around for several months, and we know a lot more about it. We know a lot more about how to treat it. It is treatable. And if you look at the news, all the the measurements are going way, way up, you know, as far as the, the cases of COVID-19. But if you look at the death rates since April and then into early May, they're coming straight down. So a lot less people are dying from this. And we've learned so much about who really needs to take precautions to um, avoid uh, getting out. And, of course, that includes people that are obese. Obesity, to me, as I've noticed all along, seems to be the number one risk factor for this thing. Diabetes is also a risk factor for this thing. Hypertension is a common risk factor for this thing. Um, but it's interesting, um, if you listen to my podcast about some of the treatments that are out there that, that absolutely do work for this, um, and the thing you want to do is treat early. You know, a lot of my practice has been focused on prevention through the years. And, of course, you want to prevent it by, you know, some social isolating if you're at risk and um, including wearing masks like I have um, and being smart about things, not getting in large crowds, um, taking your vitamins C, D, and zinc, and 
you know, getting tested if you have symptoms or you've been exposed. You need to get this test. The thing about it, the test takes about a week to get back. In the meantime, if you develop symptoms, you get sick, you want to start treating it early so you don't have to go to the hospital with it. You know, once you go to the hospital with it and get hospitalized, you know, you're you're deep into it and you want to try to turn it around if you can before that happens. So because you if you go in the hospital, you know, you're not going to be able to have your family there with you, somebody kind of looking, checking on things. So it's a, it's a sad situation when somebody gets hospitalized with COVID-19. Uh, but we know a lot more about how to treat it, and we're really making great strides. I think that's one reason why the death rates are going way down. Um, some of the stats you see you are kind of misleading a little bit, I think, and uh, that's confused a lot of people. Um, like when they say the hospitalization rates are going up, well, they are, uh, and a lot of times they're they're putting, like they've opened up elective surgery, so you go in there and get your knee worked on. They test you for COVID. If you have it, they're going to say that's a hospitalized patient with COVID. So it's the stats can sometimes be very misleading, and you got to realize that half the te- people that are testing positive for COVID nineteen, the antigen, have no symptoms at all. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, T cell immunity and a lot of things. But, you know, the people that risk for for COVID need to really kind of be careful and try to stay out of out of this because there's no doubt it's just it's a terrible flu like illness that's more contagious and more virulent. And, you know, here it is in the summer and we're still seeing some of it, uh, a lot of it. But like I say, most people are not even symptomatic with this and most people get over it you know, with a mild flu-like illness. Now, some people get really sick with it, and sometimes there's outliers. A previously healthy person with no problems at all can get really sick from it and even die from it, but that's rare. Um, And usually they find an underlying cause that you had. Um, But anyway, um, get to the questions. But go look at my podcast on this, and um, I'll be glad to take your feedback. Um, again, you have to, if you tell your opinion, you have to have a kind of a thick skin with this and I've certainly got one, so it doesn't matter. All I'm trying to do is give great advice and make some common sense out of some of this, but we need to develop this herd immunity. Um, like I talk about in my podcast, um, you know, everybody's saying the vaccine's going to save us, but, and they're rushing all these vaccines to come out, um, but I've, I've polled most of my patients, and I asked them, well, if they develop a vaccine a month from now, would you take it? A hundred percent of them have said no. Um, so you got to be pretty sure about a vaccine before you get it, and it's not going to come out next month. You know, it may be a year before they get something that's really tested and proven. So in the meantime, prevention is the order of the day. So um, and early treatment if you do get it and you come down with symptoms. Because all of us are going to know people who have it. I do. I've treated several over the phone already, and there's, there's good effective treatments for shortening the duration of this virus, things you can do. Uh, but anyway, question one. If you've been around a friend who has tested positive, should I go get tested? Yeah, I would go get tested. Um, you know, you, you should probably get tested for this just to see if you've had it or if you do have it. 
Um, is traveling safe locally or out of state? If so, when when we return, should we be tested when we return when we return home? Um, I certainly think you know traveling's fine as long as you use the precautions like you're doing anyway, or you should be doing like wearing a mask if you're in crowds or things like that, using hand cleaner, keeping your hands out of your face. Um, you can't get around people that are coughing, that's for sure, or talking in your face because there's a lot of asymptomatic spread of this virus. Um, out of the state, yeah, you know, I wouldn't travel right now to certain hot spots like Houston. Um, there are certain places, unless I just had to travel to them, I wouldn't. And if you get on an airplane, which supposedly the air is safer there than it is in a grocery store, um, but you know, you got to take your precautions on an air airliner. Um, so use your common sense about it. When sh- should you be tested when you return home? I mean, not unless you've been exposed that you know about or you come down with symptoms. Um, I don't see a real need for that. Um, until At least until the testing gets more accurate and a little bit easier. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a pleasant test to get. And, you know, the vast majority of people are going to test negative for this thing. Um, you know, I've tested a lot of people for the antibody. I, I do that test in my office. And, you know, I've tested probably 180 people. I've only had one positive. That means only one person that um, came up positive that they had it. And this was a patient that had traveled here from up north to visit their mom three months later, they were tested positive up there, so they knew they had it. And I asked her to test on the antibody. I used Quest Labs, which is the best lab for this, and just to make sure my lab was working, working because the the 179 that I've checked have been negative, and most of those people got the test because they swore they had it this winter, and it turns out they didn't. Or you know, but these tests. None of them are perfect. The antibody or the antigen test, none of them are perfect. Um, So use your common sense. Question three, if I have other symptoms but no temperature, should I get tested? Yeah. I mean, not everybody, you know, has a high fever with this thing. Some people will just have a headache or some people just have diarrhea or gut problems. So if you feel, certainly if you have a cough, high fever, achy flu-like feeling, GI upset, if you've lost sense of smell or taste, you know, you should get tested. And if, you, if you're getting sick with some of those symptoms, because it takes the test a week to get there, then you should probably go ahead and think about getting treated for it. And I know that I'm doing a lot of treatment off the phone with people, doing a lot of telemedicine now. I've treated several with... Um, what I think is COVID, and some of them are actually have the test pending right now, but you don't want to wait until you get a lot sicker. There's some treatments that you can go on my podcast and learn about. Uh, one of them is an inhaled steroid that seems to be very effective for this um, called budesonide. Um, and again, we, we're doing a lot of telemedicine. We are having, you can call in and get $15 off on any visit now, no matter what. So it's a good deal for you, and you don't have to come in the office. Again, we're not letting any sick people into our office. We're taking temperatures at the door. We're cleaning everything. Uh, 
after every patient, we're limiting patients, and we're, for patients that pick stuff up, they can call us, and we'll bring it out to their car, et cetera. But we're being you know, overly cautious about this thing. We're all wearing masks, of course. Um, all right, should I wear a mask? Good timing for that. What's the safest and cleanest way to wear a mask? Well, you know, I'm using this gator mask. because I like it, um, and it's not an N95. If you're working on the front lines, you need an N95 mask, but for routine stuff, you don't really need that, that kind of mask. Save those for the people that really need them, because there's a shortage. Um, certainly, when we draw blood from anybody, we use a face shield and, of course, mask all day long, um, but... You know, so you can get any kind of mask that fits around your ears or pulls up like this gator mask. Um, and you need to clean them every day. You do. When you get home, they need to be cleaned. Um, but the mask really also reminds you to keep your hands out of your face. And it just shows respect for other people. It really doesn't protect you. It protects the person that if you somehow have it, from getting it if you're coughing you know it'll catch your cough but um you know for right now because they're mandated always follow the law if you know if something is uh if people tell you to do it you need to do it and but but anyway um and i'll also wear glasses in the office you know because a lot of this virus can get in through the eyes so you want your eyes covered as well so light sunglasses or if you wear glasses wear your glasses right now um, last question, and this is one that's not related to COVID, so thank goodness. Um, if someone is prone to gout, can they do a high-fat diet? Yeah, you can do a high-fat diet. Uh, really, fats don't have a lot to do with uh, gout. Gout is a situation where your body gets too many purines or can't break down purines, which is a chemical that... Um, your body produces and you find in a lot of different kinds of foods. Now, gout's an interesting disease because it's when you get too many uric acid crystals forming, it can uh, go to a joint, typically the big toe joint first, and cause a lot of pain. It can go to virtually any joint, but usually the, the toes. But it causes a lot of pain for about a week. Uh, and it's part of really the metabolic syndrome. People that have high, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, high cholesterol, obesity, they're more prone to gout. So the uric acid level is something that I check on a routine basis. And I tell them to avoid foods like red meats, organ meats, seafood, sugar, and especially fructose. High fructose corn syrup is really bad for that too. Uh, processed foods, refined carbs, and alcohol. So if you do tend to have gout, you need to avoid those foods. And um, you probably ought to be on a medicine if your uric acid level is high. One we use called allopurinol really helps. And it helps some other stuff besides gout. So it's part of that metabolic syndrome. Um, but so lose, with all the stuff I'm always talking about, I'm always talking about losing weight. Probably half my practice has been dedicated for the last 20 years to just getting people to lose weight. 
you're much less susceptible to this virus. If you'll look at the news reports, most of the people that are dying from this virus are extremely obese, and I'm sure they're diabetic, hypertensive. So the best thing you can do to prevent yourself from getting is get leaner. Even a, even if you're not diabetic, they've proven that if your sugars are high, when you go into the ER, even if you're not known to be a diabetic, you are probably anyway, but just a temporary hyperglycemia can worsen your outcome with COVID-19. Same thing with a low vitamin D level. You know, you, get, you have a low vitamin D level and you go, go in there and get sick with it. You know, you're, you may get really sick with it. So I think that's why certain segments of the population are more prone to this. Um, so you need to do everything you can to stay healthy. And uh, as you know, our country is a very unhealthy, obese country. And I think that's why it's hitting us a lot harder than some of these other countries. It's really interesting when you look at some of the other countries that have millions and millions of people stacked on top of one another, you know, how they're not getting hit nearly as hard as we are. And they're not doing a lot of things that we're doing. Uh, So anyway, please go to my podcast uh, on COVID-19. I think I have a lot of good scientific information. I give you great references that you can check out yourself and plus a good dose of common sense. So anyway, it's been a good Tuesday. I hope you got a lot out of this. Um, Any questions, please don't hesitate to email them or call them in, performancemedicine.net. I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.